As long-time listeners of the Kubernetes Bytes podcast know, I like to visit different national parks and go on day hikes. As part of these hikes, it's always necessary to hydrate during and after it's done. This is where our next sponsor comes in, Liquid IV. I've been using Liquid IV since last year on all of my national park trips because it's really easy to carry and I don't have to worry about buying and carrying Gatorade bottles with me. A single stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates two times faster than water and has more electrolytes than ever. The best part is I can choose my own flavor. Personally, I like passion fruit, but they have 12 different options available. If you want to change the way you hydrate when you're outside, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code KubernetesBytes at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code KubernetesBytes at liquidiv.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You are listening to Kubernetes Bytes, a podcast bringing you the latest from the world of cloud-native data management. My name is Ryan Walner, and I'm joined by Bobin Shaw, coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be sharing our thoughts on recent cloud-native news and talking to industry experts about their experiences and challenges managing the wealth of data in today's cloud-native ecosystem. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. We're coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. Today is November 2nd, 2023. Hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Let's dive into it. Bobin, how you been, man? I'm I'm doing good. November already, dude. Like, can you believe winter it? Winter is here. Like, I can feel it. Don't like, say it, that. You, you... No, it... <laughs> I'm I'm not. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't like cold as much. Clearly, <laughs> and now it's officially like heater season. Like, I have to like make sure. Heater uh, season. I like that. Yeah, heater season. What do you keep your house on? Uh. 70 I holy think that's it. moly that's hot i keep my house in 64 65 okay I need to, that's why I, I i get these high electricity bills maybe maybe that's it i don't know i you know I, it all depends on your house too like if you're right. like let's go more heat sure you gotta keep it higher and stuff but i say grab a blanket you know <laughs> or a jacket yeah okay i'm sure, okay. sure mine will make its way up as you know uh, the winter goes on. <laughs> okay. Time to mess with the thermostat. How are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I just got back from some time off, spent a week in New Mexico. Very interesting place. I know. Uh, uh, nearly got bit by a rattlesnake, but I'm still here. Uh, oh, wow. What, what does nearly mean? Like, okay, how close did it get? Uh, a foot. Okay. Oh, okay. That's, away. <laughs> That's too close for me, at least. <laughs> So I was like, like, how, how did you evade it? Like, what, what did you hit it? With no, something? so I was at the uh, VLA, the Very Large Array in New Mexico, which, if you don't know, is basically one of the United States, or maybe in the world, I forget, one of the largest uh, radio-based telescopes. So if you've seen any, like, okay. really, you know, deep space images, it's yeah. likely taken with this VLA. It was um, made in the 1980s, and it's been updated and stuff like that. Okay. Crazy cool technology, but it's in the yep. middle of this really dry, high desert in New Mexico on purpose, right? So less yep. radio interference and dry climates, those mm -hmm. kind of things. But there's signs all over the place when you're visiting this place. It says, okay. beware of rattlesnakes. I spent like a half hour there. We were kind of passing through. Didn't see a rattlesnake. I was walking back towards the entrance. I was like, oh, I'll stop at the gift shop. Yeah. I touched the doorknob of the gift shop and I just hear the rattle of a rattlesnake at my feet. So oh, imagine holding a door and looking down, right? So that's how close it was. And the thing was reared back at me. Um, didn't didn't strike at me. Uh, luckily, yeah, I was yeah. wearing really like thick, heavy, you know, dirt bike boots right yeah. at the time. So, you know, in, in most cases, I might have been okay if it hit the boot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I stepped back and I got a video of it and stuff like that. It's the closest I've been to a rattlesnake. Oh, I, I thought it was awesome. very kind of it to rattle. You know, it actually makes a lot of evolutionary sense now. It's a, yeah. it's really nice of it to have that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah. Do you think like it, it's like a, an employee that works for the gift shop? Like everybody should get that experience. It just stands there. That's, and, it. Like, That's it. No, it was very real. It was a very real rattlesnake. And the gift shop was closed. I didn't even get to go uh, it, so. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, that and uh, so like natural tarantulas just out um, were also pretty cool. Um, apart yeah. from like the elk and antelope and stuff out there. Though. No, I think uh, whenever like, okay, my wife hates spiders and its entire family, like tarantulas, okay, everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whenever like one of our friends went to a national park in Utah last month and they just shared a, a pic of a tarantula on the hike on the trail uh, <laughs> and she wouldn't even open that message. Like she yeah. waited for like the history to scroll up in WhatsApp so that then she can yeah. open, uh, open it up. Like she really freaks out. They're really cool, but they're really big, right? Especially yeah. if you're not from those areas, you're not used to seeing a spider that big just kind of chilling out there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, we have wood spiders here in the Northeast, which get pretty big, but not tarantula big you know yeah like uh I, like initially like whenever whenever i've camped in like new uh new hampshire or maine I, we haven't seen spiders as much uh in those campgrounds uh this like uh, you i know i know <laughs> this uh, summer we went to vermont to camp and yeah dude the entire campground was like had those tiny yeah spiders like we we deserved the campsite for two days but then again my wife is afraid of spiders so Uh, we just uh, had to leave in a day like this one thing one thing you can't escape is nature when you're camping (laughs) damn spiders (laughs) totally get it man yeah this is this is gonna be a fun week obviously cubecon's coming up let's Um, go cubecon i know halloween for those do that kind of thing I was I was the Mandalorian, by the way. Well, my oh, nice. my daughter wanted me to be an astronaut, and I totally forgot till the day of. So I went to Party City. Closest thing I could find to an astronaut yeah. was the Mandalorian. Te- I would say technically, yeah, he, he qualifies. <laughs> so so did your daughter agree with that idea? Like, yeah, she did. did. She, okay. it, she looked at me like I was expecting a big helmet. You know, yeah. well, I got a helmet. I mean, does a helmet all the time, so yeah. I think it works. Nice. Anyway, yeah, Cubecom's coming up. Um, you know, we have a fun episode uh, coming up here with about crossplane and what's going on there. We'll introduce our our speaker in just a minute. But I think before that, we have some news to talk about. March, yeah, let's some news. We'll be right back after this short break. If you've ever had a puppy and raised it to become a big dog, you know that changing food and finding the right food is hard to get right. Ultimately, you want them to feel good and act happy and be okay with what they're eating. They're part of your family after all. I have an eight-year-old golden retriever named Roscoe, and he's always had a sensitive stomach, so finding the right food is kind of a pain. That's where Nom Nom comes in. Nom Nom's food is full of fresh protein that your dog loves and the vitamins and nutrients they need to thrive. You can actually see proteins and vegetables like beef, chicken, pork, peas, carrots, kale, and more in the ingredients. So here's how it works. You tell them about your puppy, the age, breed, weight, allergies, protein preferences, chicken, pork, beef, and they'll tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them straight to you. If you're ready to make the switch to fresh, Order Nom Nom today and go to https forward slash forward slash trynom.com slash Kubernetes Bytes and get your 50% off of your first order plus free shipping. Plus Nom Nom comes with a money back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. And we're back. Like this year, I've seen a trend where some vendors have already started releasing what they are like the KubeCon announcements a week before. Oh, yeah. Uh, so obviously, instead of doing like a lot of news this time, I was like, let's keep it to three and then we'll cover all the news that we see in the after. ecosystem the week after. Yeah. Okay. As usual. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, so, uh, the first thing, uh, starting with the funding round, ChainGuard, uh, a, a startup in the DevSecOps or Kubernetes security ecosystem, raised Series B funding, uh, $61 million. Again, with the trend, they didn't share what their company is now valued at, but they just shared that the total money they have raised is $116 million. A uh, couple of interesting things that they do, uh, they publish their own images. So, their whole story is we'll give you the minimal hardened images that you need to run different uh, containers mm-hmm. that 
are signed by Sixtor that include their own SBOM. So instead of the user having to build their own images and then worry about CVEs, they can just use this, uh, the images that ChainGuard provides you. Uh, like they have a, a cool list where instead of all the day zero and day one vulnerabilities and CVs showing up in images that are available on Docker Hub, they're like our CVs, uh, our images have zero CVEs. And then they also uh, talk about how this helps organizations reduce the noise that they see in their uh, scanner uh, tools, like scanning tools for their right. uh, applications running on Kubernetes and the tools that they use to scan container images. Uh, so definitely an interesting uh, startup working on real things. They also have like a professional services arm where they can do like assessments, trainings, integrations, and cool. consulting work for you. So yeah, they raise new money. Yeah, cool um, cool article about, I think, <clears throat> their integration with sort of an API in front of the vulnerability status so you can integrate yeah. it into the SPOM software stuff. And, uh, you know, God, everybody loves that word. Yeah. It's the acronym. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> okay, and then uh, uh, Honeycomb, right? Our observability friends. I know we have been trying to get somebody to go deeper dive into observability, and we might have an episode soon. But uh, Honeycomb announced a new offering called Honeycomb for Kubernetes. Uh, their whole story is don't treat uh, issues like hot potato and transfer it between teams, like developers blaming it on platform or infrastructure teams, <laughs> like, like, oh, that. it's a Kubernetes <laughs> issue. And then Kubernetes is like, nope, it's a application issue. No it's more like, hot potato. Yeah, no more Enjoy hot potato. Enjoy your lukewarm to cold <laughs> potato. <laughs> yeah, so they have like a new dashboard where uh, they have like advanced correlation workflows. Uh, they have new default dashboards around like node metrics and, and uh, monitoring app pods that are running on top. And you can... If if, you, if they one of the examples that they have is like four different graphs and you can look at the timelines and map what was going on with each different component. Uh, and then they also added like a natural language query assistant. So instead of you having to write complex queries to find the exact pod and find this specific metric that you're looking for, just tell it like, okay, yeah. give me uh, XYZ about an application pod and it will generate the query for you. So that was pretty cool. Uh, so that's new from Honeycomb. And then finally, uh, Microsoft launched a new open source project from their incubation team called Radius. So Radius is supposed to be an open source cloud native application platform. Initially, I felt like it was an IDP, but reading uh, and that, that and it competes with Backstage. But looking at their FAQs, even they call out that this is not meant to be a replacement for IDP or uh, uh, or a replacement for Backstage. This is just an application platform that allows you to uh, build application uh, graphs uh, for components that are not just running inside Kubernetes, but you have like S3 buckets. If you are leveraging existing uh, tools, if you are relying on identity systems that are outside your Kubernetes clusters, you can visualize and implement everything uh, in Radius and then use that to provision it across multiple different clouds. Right now they support Azure and, and AWS. Uh, so if you want to look this is still like brand new right like they have been incubating this now it's out in the public but they use or from an orchestration perspective they allow you to use bicep which is again the the next generation of arm or azure resource management automation that they have uh, or if you want to use the aws azure or kubernetes terraform providers you can use that use that too so that's something new in in this application platform or development platform ecosystem I like how they make note to say that, and maybe open tofu as long as it remains compatible, yeah. right? Yep. <laughs> They're like, we want to, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for news for me. Uh, I know we'll have a loaded episode after KubeCon. We will have a loaded episode of all the fun stuff that comes out and some of our yeah. uh, observations and trends and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I just have a few as well. So the first one was um, around security. It was uh, an urgent security flaw in yeah. the Nginx ingress controller for Kubernetes. So this is one um, that I think a lot of people probably use. Nginx is very popular ingress controller it and um, used in a lot of examples as well. So, you know, possibly there's more of it out there, that kind of thing. Um, but it basically allows <clears throat> um, attackers to sort of uh, inject code, get uh, security credentials and kind of, uh, you know, do all sorts of bad and erroneous things. So there are three CVEs listed in the article here. Um, and it's, I think, as of this article was unpatched, but I'm sure that'll change soon. So yeah. definitely go take a look at that if you are using the Nginx ingress controller. This kind of thing is pretty common, I think, as especially if you're using bleeding edge stuff and we hear about security stuff all the time. So don't take a look at that. 
the next one I had here was uh, that Cloud Casa, which mm-hmm. I believe we talked about um, in Amsterdam. They made uh, quite some noise and just you know had a really great uh, booth set up and, and a lot of people talking about it. They've now moved to um, a self-hosted version. So okay. Cloud Casa was SaaS-based, um, which... You know, it's very useful for for many people, but to certain use cases, you know, they have mm-hmm. to bring it on prem. There's you know, data privacy. There's you know, control aspects, and so yeah, they have a self-hosted uh, version of this deployment, which is in conjunction with its suite um, uh, that is used for SaaS. So go check that out. I think uh, pretty cool stuff they're up to. Uh, and the last one is um, around. Uh, cube cost, which you know we've spoke to cube on the cost. show. Yeah, <laughs> cube cost. Um, <clears throat> so this this is basically an advancement of cube cost and what they're up to. But the thing mm-hmm. I want I took most out of it is they supported access to provider billing, uh, meaning cloud based resources. Uh, nice. A lot, you know, they were focused on Kubernetes and everything you get out of Kubernetes, but obviously mm-hmm. a big part of that is the infrastructure you're running on. Um, so part of this update um, taps into the visibility that you have with uh, your provider today. I think it's AWS, Azure, and GCP, mm-hmm. and more in the future kind of a deal. So um, hopefully that gives folks some you know better fully rounded uh, capability to kind of look at their uh, overall cost metrics, because that is, you know, Kubernetes is just part of the game at the end of the day. So now you can do it in one place, hopefully. Very right. cool. And that is our news for today's episode. All right, so let's dive into this episode. We have uh, Victor Farsik, uh, the developer advocate for Upbound, here to talk to us about uh, Crossplane and what it's all about and how it works. So without further ado, let's get Victor on the show. All right, welcome to Kubernetes Bytes, Victor. So glad to have you here. Why don't you give our audience a little introduction of who you are and what you're up to? I'm Victor, and I work in Upbound. It's a company behind Crossplane. And what I'm up to is hard to define because I'm, <laughs> I, I, get, I change what I do on a weekly basis. So, uh, you know, think of me like a kid, 10-year-old that gets a new toy every week. That's, that's me. <laughs> That sounds like a fun way to be, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you've been super busy, so thank you for joining us. Like, I saw that you guys did uh, a whole virtual uh, conference or something at Abound. I, I I saw your talk with Kelsey just to get ready for this episode, so. Uh, oh, yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Okay. So Very cool. Well, I know that um, Crossplane has been something I've heard a lot about, um, haven't done a ton of it my myself looked into it myself but i'm i'm be ashamed. to learn more be, be ashamed <laughs> I, I turn around are... into the corner and stay there ashamed for a, for, a, for a minute listen i know a lot of people are excited about it so you must be doing something good yeah, that's that's all i gotta say <laughs> uh bob why don't you kick us away? yeah kick us no, so victor i think that's where we can get started like okay can you give us a quick <laughs> overview of what crossplane is and where, like what was the need for building something like crossplane and when did it started yeah so uh when it started i'm not sure let's say maybe five six years ago you know the the idea or something like that um so there are two major parts of crossplane one is what we call providers which essentially allow you to extend kubernetes to manage anything you want right hey you would like to use kubernetes api to manage aws resources there is aws provider you want to manage I don't know, databases, there is a SQL provider, Google provider, whatever, right? So it's ex- the idea is to extend Kubernetes beyond uh, what many people understanding is of what Kubernetes is, right? Many people, when you speak with them, they kind of, okay, so what is Kubernetes? And they will, they will tell you, and this is my own interpretation, not their words, oh, Kubernetes is a thingy that allows you to run containers. And I think that that's complete misunderstanding of what <laughs> Kubernetes is, right? Yes. To me, the ability to run containers is just uh, almost insignificant compared to what it really is. And what it really is, is a extensible API with the control loop that allows you to manage anything you want, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, if you install right now, I don't know, Knative, all of a sudden you manage serverless applications. If you install whatever else, you will suddenly be managed, managing virtual machines and so on and so forth, right? And Crossplane puts it on a 
very different level, right? Mm -hmm. We have probably, uh, if you would install all the providers, you would probably get around, and I'm guessing the number right now, a couple of thousand, maybe 5,000 CRDs oh, wow. that allow you to manage to, to create your own custom resources that will manage something, whatever that something Too is. Too many. Right? Don't install them all at the same time, really. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So that, that's a word of advice. If you, if you take a small cluster, relatively small, with a small control plane, and you, and you install thousands of uh, CRDs, your, your Kubernetes cluster is going to say kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be the last thing you will hear from it, right? Uh, because Actually, funny thing that uh, I, it's possible that I cannot confirm it, but it's possible that Crossplay was the first tool or a project that to find the limits of Kubernetes in terms of how many CRDs it can handle, right? Oh, nice. uh, now, we and community behind Kubernetes is working to increase that number. But yeah, don't install 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah, I mean, needs that. We, I, we've definitely heard um, from various people we've interviewed or just, you know, talking to folks in, in the community that Kubernetes is definitely becoming more of this generalized orchestration system, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as you said, it, you know, containers is sort of a, a means, a prerequisite to an end early days where, where, you know, Kubernetes just really is orchestrating yeah. containers, but now it's a lot more than that, right? With cross-plane or even some of the edge kind of components that you can have where you can kind of digital twins and it's, it's becoming more of this abstract orchestration engine so to speak, where you can do a lot of different things with it. So it's really cool um, yeah. technology. Gotcha. And like what I took away from it was like, okay, so I, I can use cross-plane on Kubernetes, but also manage cloud resources. So like I can manage AWS resources or Azure resources or Google resources. And there exactly. Are, and all, there are already these providers that are built in, right? Or, or exactly. Yeah, okay. Perfect. Exactly. So the, uh, if I would put it in other words, the, the goal of... Uh, Crossplane, from certain perspective, would be to enable normal people. When I say normal people, I mean not AWS, mm -hmm. to do what AWS is doing. That means that enables people to create their own control plane, right? Everybody, mm -hmm. this that's a, almost a funny thing. Everybody has been using control planes for a very, very long time. It's just that nobody knew that they're using control planes. <laughs> you think, okay, so I send an API request uh, to AWS, and then that's it. No, that's not it. Behind that API, yeah. there is a control plane that mm -hmm. ensures that things are happening, that they're in the right place, right moment, you know, all the shenanigans, everything that needs to happen for you to run a silly EC2 instance <laughs> is done by a control plane. Uh, and big providers have been using control planes behind their APIs for a long time. Now, what we are doing is actually enabling through Kubernetes everybody else to have something very, very similar, right? right. And and that's where the the second part of uh, Crossman comes in, apart from those providers. So those providers that I mentioned, rare, so almost nobody uses them in the way I explained so far, right? Okay. okay. Uh, because there is a second part which we call compositions. Okay. which allow you to create your own services in a way, mm -hmm. right? Your own custom resource definitions with controllers and so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. you as a person working in a company, you would say, okay, so uh, we manage databases in our company. Excellent. How many people understand VPCs and subnets and uh, right. all that stuff? Not many, right? Yeah. I want to create a service that will enable people to manage a database. And then you create what we call a composition that says, okay, this is the interface. This is the API that you can use to manage databases. And that API will be whatever you choose. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say I will allow people to select whether they want Postgres or MySQL, whether they should run it in this region or that region, whatever the contract is that you want to establish with your users. And then behind the scenes, you will you will define what that composition does. Okay, mm. so when they actually give me this contract, this API request, I will create behind the scenes everything needed. I don't know, database right. with networking, with storage, with uh, some schema, whatever that mm -hmm. something is. So it enables you, so think of it this way, and I know that I'm going all over the place. You need to stop No, me, no, you're doing great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you haven't uh, lost me so, yet. <laughs> yeah. So what AWS is to, let's say you, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in, in a way, what it is, is provides a service mm -hmm. to yeah. you. That's what you can enable others to do, right? Kind of, you mm -hmm. can create a service in a similar fashion with 
by extending Kubernetes API, creating your own schemas and all that stuff and saying behind the scenes, this will happen, but you don't care, right? You get yeah. the database. Yeah, right. Like um, to boil it down, maybe to an oversimplified example, if I were you know, onboarding new developers, I could create a composition that just says developer environment. And really I control on the back end what that means, mm -hmm. whether that means a VM with the, you know, access to exactly. certain types of data yeah. or something like that. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one, way, one way I tend to explain it is that we are all trying to create something that is uh, at the right level of abstraction for somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there is a person who likes to, I don't know, compile their own kernel, right? <laughs> and then True. there is yeah, a yeah. different level of abstraction that we would, you can call it uh, distribution, right? No, I use Ubuntu. I'm not going to compile my own <laughs> kernel, right? Yeah. And so on and so forth. And the same thing is with this and say, okay, so if you want to care, if you want to assemble 57 different components in AWS to get the yeah. database, go ahead, right? Yeah. Or I can give it to you as a service. Gotcha. So... Uh, before I move on to a little bit about how it's like installed in a Kubernetes cluster and things, I want to ask one more question, which is <clears throat> what in your words would be sort of the benefit of using Crops Plane to manage uh, cloud resources over native tooling from those clouds? Okay, I'm going to do something very tricky and answer it with a question. <laughs> okay, good. And either of you can answer or both. Yeah, sure. What is the benefit? Are you using Kubernetes? I'm assuming yeah. in some yep. capacity. Okay, what are the benefits? Why are you using Kubernetes? Bob, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Like for me, Kubernetes, I think, provides that consistent orchestration layer, right? Like regardless of where I'm running, I know I can just copy paste my YAML files and it, it can be deployed against any environment. I think that's consistency is the reason for me. Okay. And you? Yeah, for me, it's it's a number of things, but in, in I'd say in this sort of context, it's definitely about having sort of um, a single platform, right, that I could deploy on-prem, um, mm -hmm. you know, given my background of where I work, as well in the cloud, um, and sort of utilize that abstraction layer, again, talking about abstractions, um, as sort of the, the, you know, component that I interact with, rather than necessarily having to write something like, you know, Terraform for everything or... Or that kind of thing. So the answer to your question, now going back to the question, is that. Right? Yes. <laughs> Whatever. So actually, or to put it in another way, right? Uh, whatever the reasons why you're using Kubernetes for whatever you're using, let's say for your applications package that's contained images, right? Yep. Those same reasons equally apply to something else, right? Uh, why, why is it better to use Kubernetes? And I'm talking about Kubernetes API now, right? And, right. Uh, uh, not and the scheduling and the control loop yep. and uh, drift yep. detection, all the stuff. They're equally valid for containers as for Wasm, as for lambdas, sure. as for databases, as for other clusters or VMs. Kind of like that same logic is either good or it's not good, right? Mm -hmm. To manage something. And if it's good to manage one thing, then it's just as good to manage something else, right? Yeah. It's a management, it's an orchestration, right? It's a management platform, call it what you want. But right. the arguments are equally valid for whatever is the good. The bad thing would be is if you answer, no, Kubernetes is not good for me, then the answer is, then that answer would be valid for Crossplane cross as well. Don't right. go don't go there. <laughs> Just right. move on down the line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay, great. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk more about the specific technology and how someone would start to, I guess, use it um, either on their laptop or in a Kubernetes cluster. So what does it look like to get Crossplane up and running? So it's, there are three parts to it, mm -hmm. right? There is installation of, I'm going to make a parallel with, let's say Terraform, and I'm making a parallel without really entering into debate, Terraform, this or that, right? Yep. You need to install Crossplane itself, mm -hmm. just as you would install Terraform CLI in this case, right? Okay. Uh, you need providers that will, because it would be silly that it already comes with those 5,000 or whatever yep. different <laughs> yeah, endpoints. So we still providers. And uh, we have actually, in the past, we had provider like AWS. Now we split it. Now you have provider EC2 and everything related to EC2, provider RDS, okay. AWS, RDS, and so on and so forth. So you can pick and choose what you want. And the third part is optional, even though everybody uses, and then you create your own abstractions, right? right. Just to avoid dealing with uh, individual resources. Mm -hmm. Uh, yourself. Got it. And is, 
um is the cross-plane component in 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 sort of like the, the cluster itself done by operator or helm or like how is this actually installed yeah so everything is happening uh inside the cluster right yeah uh so and th that's that's one of the big differences right we wanted we are api based tool in a way right so the, it's not a cli that uh it can do what it can do and cannot do and what it cannot right. do right yeah you're interacting all the time with kubernetes api you want to apply this resource you apply that resource and then something happens somewhere easy okay. to gets created right you want to query all ec2 instances or everything that has this label right so same operations that you would do with kubernetes and that means also and and this is the the good part uh it is kubernetes native mm -hmm, right. and what that means is that it works with anything else mm -hmm. right so you want you like GitOps, excellent use use argo cd we don't care mm -hmm. yep. like it's a kubernetes resource right. you want to ship logs to loki because that's what you're doing. Yeah, mm -hmm. continue doing it, right? You like monitoring your stuff with Prometheus, continue doing it, right? So it's very focused on certain aspect and it assumes that uh, you're leveraging the power of the ecosystem itself, right? So gotcha. we, are ne we are unlikely ever to create a special mechanism to ship your logs, kind of. Why would we? Yeah. Or right. metrics, right? right? <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, once you have the CRDs up and running, you can use the cross-plane CLI or just obviously interact with the CRDs with kubectl or the API. Yeah, kubectl. Yeah. Or you can package it as a Helm chart and then Helm yeah. install or uh, ship it to Argos uh, to Git and then uh, synchronize it with Argos CD or Flux. It's okay. like dealing with any other Kubernetes resource from the operational right. perspective. Very okay. cool. And uh, Victor, I wanted to ask, like you said, right? Like once I have cross-plane installed on a control plane cluster as acting as a control plane, and it can mm -hmm. spin up AWS credentials, how are those access keys stored on my control plane cluster? How does cross-plane have access to AWS or Azure or other Kubernetes clusters where these workloads are actually getting deployed, right? Yeah, so cross-plane cross -plane assumes that... Uh, so actually... When you install a provider, let's say AWS provider, mm -hmm. uh, you have provider config that says that where you essentially, and this is simply for the version, you say, this is the secret with my credentials, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and now whether you create that secret by kubectl, you know, echo, yeah. uh, no, whether you create a YAML file with the secret and then uh, push it to Git and let Argo CD synchronize it. Mm -hmm. If that's what you're doing, please let me know what's your repo. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or you're keeping the credentials, I don't know, in Secret Manager, Vault, or okay. right, Azure, Google Cloud, and then you use all... it will work. Yeah, okay. again, same thing. We assume that there is a secret. How you create that secret, up to you. Okay, gotcha. And so next question is more around compositions, right? I know you already spoke a little bit about, about compositions, but I wanted to like learn more about it and also talk about what are composition functions and how are they different? Like I know in the recent oh. conference that you did, that was a main topic of discussion, right? You're talking about the things that are not released yet. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> we must know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, like, any, any more around compositions? Like, okay, as an admin, I'm creating those as... I, I know I'm going into the platform engineering spectrum, but, like, golden parts or, or easy ways for developers to do things. Uh, yes. How, okay. Uh, can you and for developers and for yourself, right? I mean, the same thing... Uh, if I would go back in time and go back to the time of Terraform, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you would be creating Terraform modules, yep. hopefully. Now, most people never did that, which is ridiculous and probably could could fill in the whole uh whole episode of a podcast why people didn't do that but yes you want to you want to group things mm -hmm. and I, I think that that's partly misunderstanding of what kubernetes is somehow people think that okay kubernetes i i, I set up kubernetes and i have a platform to do stuff and my answer to that is absolutely freaking no you get nothing <laughs> Kubernetes is very low level, right? It's yeah. it makes no sense for majority of people. So if I go to up, uh, let's say, and I'm going to ignore now crossplane completely, right? Okay. Just to switch the subject sure. and say, hey, dear developer, you can you can run your application in Kubernetes, and that person would say, hey, that's fantastic. Yeah, I heard about that. That's great. How do I define the application? Then you say, no, you cannot define an application. That's impossible. 
I mean, in Kubernetes out of the box. Oh, you know what? You can define a deployment and a service and a virtual service and uh, ingress and 50 other set of things. That's not an application. Those are building blocks. Those are low level details that were never supposed to be used directly, right? That's why like, I'm a big fan of Knative, right? Knative does that abstraction. It's just mm -hmm. that Knative is opinionated, we are not. It says, yeah. no, this is how you define application, right? Gotcha. And I'm going to deal with low level details that honestly nobody cares about. <laughs> now I'm old, if more than two minutes passes after I start answering question, that means that I already forgot your question. I don't know what I'm answering. So you need to be back on track. Sorry for that. No, no worries. Like it was more around <laughs> compositions which you already spoke about. And I yeah, yeah. To... so compositions are yeah. that way to actually create something meaningful, right? Yep. To me, if I talk about applications, but applies to everything, to clusters, databases, yep. ingress and service and deployment and all those things, that, that's not meaningful. Yep. Create something called application or yep. create something called backend application. And that has a meaning, mm -hmm. right? That, that, has, that is something that somebody can understand. Yeah. So, and that's what compositions do. Okay. And, and like, why? I know you said composite <laughs> functions are not, or composition functions are not yet released yet, but why the need yes. for something new? Yes. So we had a long debate that basically when you create those compositions, right? Mm -hmm. People started making requests. Hey, uh, this would be great, but uh, I need uh, to dynamically create uh, resources through a loop, right? Let's say that I'm going to loop through subnets A, B, C, and then I want them to be created instead of specifying it explicitly each one of them. You know? okay. And that's cool. We can add loop. Why not, right? But then there is another request. I want conditionals. And there is another request. We want this and this and this and this and mm -hmm. that, right? And then it explodes. And from mine and also other people uh, working on it experience that almost always leads to uh, that project becoming a trash can right when you when you actually you start designing a dsl effectively and uh, you start fulfilling all those needs and that's a never-ending game because it's never going to end right uh, it's an infinite amount of requests i know I, so I, we sorry yeah. go ahead What's your thought? <laughs> so we we started doing some of those things and uh, now this is not, a, I'm not promising anything, but it's even possible that we're going to remove some of those things we did. Uh, because again, it's just becoming a trash can. Yeah. So to, instead to of fair, extending the, uh-huh. I was gonna say, to be fair, your documentation just says, also says, I'm looking at it right now, it says, Crossblade may drop this feature at any time. So it's, <laughs> it's very clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so what we thought to do instead is uh, functions that you mentioned, right? So, okay, this is the schema that is well-defined. It will not change much. This is what it does, right? Yep. And it's relatively static, right? And it's supposed to be like that. But then you can actually send, uh, uh, use a sort of a pipeline in composition and say, okay, uh, this is what the schema does, but I can use Take this input, pass it to a function, and function mm -hmm. is going to send some output, right? Mm -hmm. We don't care what that output is. We expect to have a list of resources that should be created in a cluster, right? Gotcha. Now, and then you, if, if, if the capabilities are not there, okay, you take five resources, pass it to a function, function is going to output modified version of those resources, so mm -hmm. or it's going to remove some of them, or it's going to add more. I don't care. It's in and out, and what you do in between, it's up to you, right? Um, and for example, I've been, like yesterday, I've been working on a function that does the example I said, loop, right? I take input, I loop through it, generate some subnets or namespaces or whatever, resources, mm -hmm. list, pass it back to Crossplane, Crossplane does the work, right? So it's a way how to extend it without, without creating a DSL that is impossible to comprehend at the end of the day, right? And then, you as a consumer, you will have two choices, uh, three actually. Now, use cross-plane composition schema as is, mm -hmm. it works for some, or uh, extend it with functions that are already made by somebody else. I can imagine in not so distant future having some kind of a marketplace. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. When I say marketplace, I don't mean for selling, but right. for yeah. sharing. Yep. Or create, or you, you say, hey, what I need to do has, has not been done by anybody else. 
uh, I'm going to write a function and it's going to do that. And you can write, a, and we are not even opinionated how you write your function. You like Go, write in Go. Hey, cool. You yeah. want uh, to use Helm to do some processing, do it, right? Nice. Q, Java, whatever you want. We just expect that there is a clearly defined input and output of that function. That's all. Right. Yeah, I could see this, you know, <clears throat> I could see this really being useful in the, like, almost in the security context a little bit, just where my head went, in the sense that, like, Crossplane could have a composition that sets up some general stuff, and someone could create it, but then a function could, like, verify or, you know, tap in and, and, and check some security components or add to it or whatever it may be, um, and kind of, like, magically happens behind the the scenes so the developer doesn't have to worry about yeah. it, you know, just... It can be you know, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally. Well, one example that I heard that this is this is an example of something that is that would be silly to ever baked into crossplane itself compositions is that right. we have people a person or a team or a company asking hey I want to I want to go to AWS API calculate the list of IPs that I should use in this or that oh, oh, and wow. then come back through it and use yeah. it in that definition kind of yeah thing. no use for that to have it baked in yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Well, speaking of customization, right, say, say if I had some obscure API that would, you know, start my dishwasher, make me an espresso and fluff my pillow, could I, you know, extend Crossplane to include that as a provider if I wanted to? And how does that you work? can? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as long as that's something uh, has an API that mm -hmm. a provider can Crossplane can talk to. So if your espresso machine is so funky, <laughs> so modern, that has an API. <laughs> Then yes, you can do it, right? I, I know of an example of a uh, 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 provider that orders Domino pizzas, mm -hmm. pizzas okay. from Domino. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything as long we we just need an API to talk to, mm -hmm. and that API. I mean, it can be it can be almost any API, not really any, because sure, okay. we need to be able to ask for the state of that something to get the mm -hmm. answer to know what to okay. do with it, right? right? But, it yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so Victor, I think talking about the the I don't know the contributor base. I, I think I saw a number somewhere that there are like fifteen hundred plus contributors to the crossplane projects and way more users. Uh, yeah. My my question was, do you see like from a persona perspective, right? Are these developers that are building these compositions uh, and treating or using them to deploy their applications or you see more of the operations side or the, the SREs or the platform admins building <coughs> these out and enabling self-service for their developers? How does, who's the user here? I think that, uh, I think that let's say the buyer and when I say buyer, I don't mean for money, but yeah, the yeah. person who, yep. who gets Crossplane is more often than not, and this is not a rule, the, the, nothing guaranteed, is not the end user, but rather a uh, intermediary between crossplane and the end users, right? That's that that person that creates those compositions, right? Uh, so let's say uh, DBA, just yeah. to keep databases example, right? I want to enable people to uh, manage databases. I'm interested in crossplane because it, it enables me to create those compositions and shift left, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now there are people who use it for themselves, kind of. Oh, I'm a we are in a company where developers have zero rights. You write <laughs> Node.js code. That's all you will ever do. I manage Kubernetes, and then that's yeah, the end right. user, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's becoming more and more popular to shift left, really, uh, for many, many different reasons, gotcha. right? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I was uh, kind of building on that. I was kind of thinking through, um, and maybe you have insight into this, is how how often crossplane is used directly kind of like we're talking about and or as a tool to like an internal idp or something like that right very common very common um people would create those compositions that define what something is whatever that is mm -hmm. and then uh they would now the rest depends kind of either hey you just define this yaml push it to git and the magic will happen very often it is combined with uh, backstage or port, okay. mm -hmm. uh, some other front end. So, okay, we're going to give you web UI. And that's also one of the nice things about having API, because if you use some other tooling that are not API based, if you would want to build some that uh, web UI interface yep. on top, some kind right. of graphical user interface, you would most likely need to hard code every single page. Okay, this is the yeah. page, how you define, I don't know, this yeah. or that, right? 
what you can do with uh, crossplaying with Kubernetes in general, right? Doesn't have to be crossplaying. Is that your uh, graphical user interface becomes extremely dumb because mm. all it has to do is go to the cluster and say, "What are the CRDs you have?" Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Here's the list of CRDs. Show it to the person on a screen, Caro. Okay, you can yeah. you can create something called backend application, frontend application, database okay. cluster, right? Because those are the names of CRDs. Yeah. You click yeah. that button. And then it comes the form, right, with all the fields. But how right. do you get those fields? You don't have to code them in the app. You go back to the cluster and say, dear Kubernetes, can you please, please, please give me a schema of this object, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you just paint it on a screen. So it becomes more native. I mean, it becomes that front-end type of development that in everywhere else we've been doing for many years. Mm -hmm. Front-ends are dumb. They're asking APIs what to do, how to do, and so yeah. on and so forth, right? It's just a machine that calls an API and paints it, paints it on a screen in a way. I imagine the only thing that would still really need to happen there is like what data type input validation. Because like to do this, the CRAs don't give that information, right? In terms of like you create a form, does it need an integer? Does it need a string? That kind of thing. Uh, actually, schema. Some things yes, some things no. Oh, okay. Uh, so okay, very cool. when you def it's open API schema when you define those yeah. compositions, and you oh, you okay. definitely can define string, integer, this or that. Okay, you okay. can de define the values available. Mm -hmm. uh, you can define uh, quite a few things. Not everything you will need, um, but that's also where you know uh, very often uh, crossplane is very often combined with. Uh, GitOps like Argo CD Flux yep. with backstage for the user interface, and then with uh, something like Caverno or OPA Gatekeeper uh, for policies, right? Yep. Whatever is not defined in schema, you can define as a policy. And not only in schema, sometimes, so you can have a schema that says the options are A, B, C, but then you will have a policy that says, yes, but in this namespace, it's only A. Mm, Don't yeah. even try it, right? Yeah. And then uh, you would normally apply the policies that uh, accompany those uh, those CRDs with with policies. Got it. Very cool. I I do have I one thing I've kind of been thinking about this as we're asking you questions is you know does um, crossplane fall into the categorization of like digital twins in the sense that you know we just had a conversation about um, you know cube edge and how it's kind of mm -hmm. creating the concept of digital twins for external devices right so a little sensor or something like that but it's represented as an object or a CRD in the Kubernetes cluster. Yeah. Does that ever get talked about in the sense that Crossplane is kind of creating a digital twin for something else that lives somewhere else? Very much. That's okay. uh, very, I mean, I, I wouldn't say very common because digital yeah. twin common concept is not yet widespread, yeah. but yeah. those who know it are, uh, that's one of the reasons they're choosing Crossplane. With the only small correction, it's not a CRD, it's CR becomes a digital right. twin, right? Yeah. So okay. yeah. CRD would be a shipping container right right and yeah. then you have 5000 crs that represent 5000 shipping containers Absolutely. right yep very 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 good yes question. so as long as your digital twin is not supposed to be visual and kind of like in 3d <laughs> and all that stuff <laughs> it's yes yeah I, I imagine most people think of just like oh it's just another version of me you know yeah. <laughs> so it's not a hologram we don't give you holograms Come that, on. no <laughs> uh give us a year yeah <laughs> that's the spirit okay so victor i think talking about like these are some awesome use cases right i also wanted to like uh, ask about like what are some of the other things that people are using crossplane for and where are the areas that people shouldn't consider crossplane like i'm sure like there might be some areas where like okay maybe choose something else this is not the use case for crossplane yeah so uh my first criteria the question that i actually indirectly already said early on kind of uh, crossplane is not for people who are new to kubernetes right okay. uh so or we haven't been using, oh, I discovered Crossplane. This is going to be my entry point drug into, into Kubernetes. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, because Crossplane can be very, for certain people, can be very daunting, can be very scary and complicated because there are so many things happening which are very, very mm -hmm. natural if you're familiar with Kubernetes, right? Oh, Oh, there are events, and then there, there is a concept of parent and child uh, resources. You know, this resource create that resource that create this resource. When you want to know where is something, you need to follow the trail, uh, yeah. and so on and so forth, right? Uh, which are very, very natural if you're experienced with Kubernetes. But if you're not, please, 
uh, please don't become our user. <laughs> you get, you get <laughs> Probably nobody before yeah. said in a, in a public kind of like podcast. Kind of, please don't. Yeah. Especially who works for the company. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, hey, honesty goes a long way. That's yeah. that's what I have to say. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, then let's transition to if people were to not follow your advice, go directly against what you just said, and get started with crossplaying, even if they're new, where would they get their feet wet? Like, where should they start? Uh, Crossplay.io has documentation. Depends what type of a person you are. Yeah. If you're, I like reading documentation, then crosspoint.io. Uh, I will admit, uh, docu out documentation was horrible. I, I was trying to find a better word, but <laughs> I, I couldn't. Know, I, I, I haven't heard one person like come on the show and been like, our documentation is awesome. <laughs> so I'm just like waiting for that day. <laughs> it was bad. It's, 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 it's good now. It's not okay. perfect, but it's, we've really, like, let's say for a year or so, we put, you know, well, you're uh, extra so fast, emphasis. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard to keep up. Yeah. Uh, so documentation is fine. A lot of examples and all those things. And then uh, I also published. So if you're more visual person, I published probably four, five, six, seven. I don't know videos so far about crossplay on my okay. channel. So that's that's another place. And then Google is your friend. Awesome. Beyond yeah. those two. <laughs> Can you run it on your laptop if you wanted to get started, or do, do you have to have a you know, a yeah, yeah, I, I run it on my laptop all the time. Now, just don't install all 5,000 yep. series. <laughs> yeah, your memory go all the way down. Or you have, I don't know, Mac Studio with, uh, I don't know, uh, 200 gigs of RAM or something like that, then, then go for it, yes. <laughs> very cool, very cool. So um, you mentioned your, um, uh, your YouTube channel. Um, can you tell us more about that? It's DevOps Toolkit, right? Yes, DevOps Toolkit, exactly. If, if you look for, search for DevOps Toolkit, it's, it's almost certainly going to pop up first. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's a hobby, right? Uh, and part of the reason, it's kind of, I think it's, it's in a way special, or the reason behind it is, is in a way special that I got sick from reading articles and watching videos and stuff like that, where every single, it always, did you notice that every article ends up with it depends? Yeah. And I hate that. I honestly hate kind of, okay, so uh, let's talk about pipelines. You can use Jenkins, you can use Travis, you can use CircleCI, GitHub Actions, Argo Workflows. And the conclusion of this is depends. It doesn't. <laughs> Gross pie. You, you want someone tell to me. tell you what to do, opinionated. Uh, no, I want opinion. I, I like opinionated people. Yeah. You yeah. being opinionated does not mean that I have to agree. It does not yeah, mean sure. that I need yeah. to do everything you say. Right. But I want opinionated people that tell me this is good, this is, uh, and this is horrible, right? Yeah. No, yeah. how many times did you hear people say, this is, this is really bad? Not good, no bueno. Kind of, no, it doesn't happen often, right? So, and I, I wanted to do that. And so I go through stuff, and uh, sometimes I, I, I don't think I have a single video that did not end up, they all end up with pros and cons, and I don't think that I had a single one that doesn't have cons, kind of, doesn't yeah. have So, none, so none of your videos are gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna watch one and it's gonna be like, it depends at the, at the very end. They're gonna yeah, tell the, me what to do. I'm doing just a good marketing to <laughs> lure you in and into depends, yes, yes. No, I've, I've heard this argument, right, um, in, in various forms, right? I think the most recent one was, you know, an X, an X thread, which, you know, you, you can go down a whole rabbit hole there, but basically, you know, someone saying it'd be great if documentation were to lead with one example that works really well yeah, versus 10 that sort of works sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Not just uh, that, right? you know, like, don't just start with like an easy hello world example. Give me something that's complicated, <laughs> like that I can follow along and then actually learn about it rather than the basic one-on-one use case. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't cool. doesn't it even have to be example. I mean, I do almost everything hands-on, but it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be even example. It can be okay if you're telling me about pipelines. Don't tell me that they're all equally good because that means that you never tried any of them, <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah, you those people are opinion. going for SEO results, like because if you yeah. list everything, yeah, that's how you get ranked higher, right? <laughs> and that, cool. and also not offend other people. Sure. Yeah, well, it's hard to do these days. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, uh, speaking of offending other people, um, 
in case you do any writing you have a list of people i should do is that what you where can people find you um and and maybe some and writing that me. you do blogs or slack <laughs> don't find me <laughs> yeah uh i'm a lot so in the past i was publishing books and writing articles now i think that i'm mostly on youtube and in conferences mm -hmm. when public work and of course kind of project themselves so but if you look for victor farsik or v farsik first letter of the of the name and then last name you'll find me i'm i'm everywhere easy everywhere he's everywhere folks so go go and find him very cool will you be at uh kubecon chicago oh yeah 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 there cool. every every cube corner on all three continents um mm -hmm. yeah starting with reje rejects that's my favorite part of oh, yeah. Awesome. Rejects. yeah yeah if we need to pick up some stickers well. ryan like for for crossplane and all the other projects that we have worked with that's right so yeah hopefully we'll see you there um we will both be there as well and um I think that's that's really all we had for you today, Victor. I think it's been really enlightening about learning more about what you're up to, what's going on with Crossplane and how it works. So I wanted to thank you for being on the show again. Thank you for having me. All right, Bobin, that was a, a fun conversation. I know Victor's always a hoot to talk to, um, and he's up to all sorts of fun things on YouTube. If you, you know, we talked about it during the episode, but yep. go check him out. Check him out what he's up to. He does a lot of really awesome content. Um, but yeah, what are your takeaways from the episode? I think I, I really like Crossplane, and it's time to like get my hands on again. Like I, I think I used Crossplane like a few years back when it was brand new and they had like a cool candy stick logo or something like that. Uh, now it looks like with with the whole platform engineering movement and IDPs, right? Crossplane is becoming relevant and top of mind again. Uh, I, I know we have seen a theme in our conversations, right? At DevOps Race Boston, when we were talking to Alex, he was like, IDPs should be read only. Like you don't want mm, somebody to mess with in, an IDP. Victor is like, why do you even need a UI yeah. <laughs> for your IDP? You just need orchestration and automation capability. So I think Crossplane definitely uh, follows the same principles. Like it still gives those golden parts or composition flows for developers to deploy resources and, and manage their applications. But it doesn't, like you, do, you are not forced to go to a UI to do all of those things. Sure. So I think, yeah, I think that's the thing that stands out. And also the fact that it was it was uh, built before, I don't know if it was before Kubernetes. I think it was after, but like it takes care of resources that are outside Kubernetes as well. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So not just a Kubernetes specific tool, but it can also help you deploy an S3 bucket or an RDS database if you wanted to using yep. those uh, providers that Crossplane has. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Uh, and in, and it's an open source project that will have its own booth at KubeCon. So we, you can go and ask more questions there. Yes, <laughs> always a good opportunity if you are at KubeCon. Um, yeah, I, I, I generally think, I know I mentioned, I think during the episode, um, sort of the data center operating system, right? Um, mm -hmm. we, we see this kind of concept come up a lot. Kubernetes is being used for much more than just Kubernetes. Um, I think Crossplane is a great example of that, you know, being able to, like you said, manage those things. And one thing we talked about was compositions. I thought the flexibility of compositions and to customize them is a really mm -hmm. powerful tool, especially when it comes to IDP, right? The concept that you can say, well, I, I want an object that represents pretty much anything you want, but I gave yep. an example of a developer environment. Well, you, someone, you're onboarding someone new, you just, you know, you can have your IDP kind of configure what you want in the environment, all through APIs. Um, I think a really powerful tool, right? Um, and, you know, that comes with complexity, right? Victor did say, <laughs> you know, don't start here. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I think that comes with anything that kind of builds on an abstraction of something else yeah. complex, right? No, I like <laughs> the fact that he's like, even though this is running on Kubernetes and can manage everything, but yeah. because it's running on Kubernetes, you need to understand how that works. Yeah. You, yeah. But Everything is a custom resource and a custom resource definition in yeah. Crossplane. So if you don't know what those mean, you'll have a really hard time there's your benefit of ui right there <clears throat> there it is yeah. you don't have to understand it if you just click a few sure. buttons yeah i mean i'm just being devil's advocate here I know no no, no that's true right and again <laughs> we know backstage is super popular and like there are vendors like vmware and red hat and all of those that are building these enterprise versions of backstage so definitely like a ui helps it's just interesting to see different perspectives absolutely Cool. Well, um, you know, that brings us <clears throat> to the end of this episode, but we mm -hmm. always, as always, please join our Slack. You can find <clears throat> the button, excuse me, I'm getting over a little cold, uh, the, to find our Slack at kubernetesbytes.com. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob and I will, of course, be at Coupon Chicago. Look for our sweatshirts. Um, I know. If, if Thank you, you. Yeah, there you go. If you spot us, <laughs> uh, we'll give you some stickers. There you go. We have to have stickers in our pockets then. That's, yeah. That's really yep. what I just put Always ready. Always be prepared. <laughs> like Boy Scouts, but Kubernetes Bites version. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, of course, check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe yeah. there. Give us some reviews, whatever it may be. We did get a few uh, folks in Slack suggest some episodes. Awesome. Thank you I for know. those who did that. Um, we will definitely get on and take that uh, advice. So anyway, I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. I'm Ryan. I'm Bobbin. And thanks for joining another episode of Kubernetes Bytes. Thank you for listening to the Kubernetes Bytes podcast. 